0: Raising a Sane and Successful Teen, An Innovative Guide to Becoming an Awesome Parent by Marianne Majori, read by the author. Chapter 7, Teaching Life Skills. Of course, the whole time you are raising a child, you are teaching this person life skills by your example. But many skills are best gained through well-thought-out training. In the early years, a child must learn basics that they cannot achieve through observation or osmosis, how to ride a bike, how to swim, how to read, how to add, even how to whistle. These are skills we commonly teach our children or help others to teach them. Teenagers need to learn different, more sophisticated skills. How to drive, fill out an application, manage money. I tend to work on the principle of the widening circle. I consider any important learning as a series of rings. In the first ring, I am closely guiding the youngster. In the succeeding rings, I am gradually moving away until they can do the task and are on their own functioning in the practical world. My son noticed one of my methods when I took him to the bank to cash a check he had received for working on someone's boat. I pulled into the bank parking lot, stopped the car and said, you go on in, I'll wait here in the car. He nodded and then sauntered off. Suddenly he turned and came back. He was smiling. You're sly, he told me. Really, I said, what do you mean by sly? Well, the way you taught me to do things, like the bank. You start out, you bring me with a couple. You bring me with you a couple of times when you are making a deposit. You tell me what you're doing and have me go up with you to watch you interact with the teller. When I wanted to do something at the bank, you went with me at first and you did all the talking kind of as my advocate. Then the next time you and I went to the bank, I did all the talking, but you were right there with me and could say stuff or whatever when it was needed. Now we go to the bank. You know I can do what I have to do and you'll be out there in the car if I need you. He stroked his chin. Nice work, he approved, and left to do his transaction. This principle of the widening circle, I have found, gives direction and support in small steps and shows the young person in the world that the the world is there for them and that the ordinary functions they must perform in it as adults are actually doable. By transforming knowledge little by little, by letting them witness our activities in the world, we help our kids see how we do the tasks. After that, when we transfer knowledge of these tasks and small lessons that involve them, we show them how they may be able to do the tasks on their own. Banking was one way I taught Max about money. Voting is one of the ways I taught my teens about civic engagement. I'm old-fashioned. I still like to go to the polls to vote. But the steps would be much the same whether I voted at the polling place or through the mail or online. From the time they were very young, I showed my kids how I researched the candidates and issues by going to public meetings to hear the discussions, collect newspaper articles on the issues, and reading the candidates' own materials. I would tell them what I was thinking about the people and the challenges coming up in the election. On election day, I would take them to the polling place and explain each of the steps of voting, how I sign in, how I enter the booth and place the ballot, and close myself in for privacy. Then I would have them watch me vote and tell them what I am doing as I go through the process. The next day, when election results come out, we would review what the results meant and how I felt about them. By the time they were of voting age, they have a clear idea of what it took and would create their own method of deciding as well. Many high schools have courses to help kids learn how to balance a checkbook and how to drive. This is a great idea. But once again, don't leave your parenting responsibilities to the school. Show your child how you keep track of your household checking account. Let them see how much it costs to feed, house, clothe, and care for your family. Be sure not to terrorize them with this exercise. Let them know how you started out and how you learned to balance your budgets and make money to do what you needed it to do. With any skill, you want to constantly increase the level of success. If you are teaching driving, find an area that is quiet and free of distractions for the first few lessons. An empty office building parking lot on a Sunday might be good for the first few lessons. You drive to the lot, give an overview of what your teenager might be able to do comfortably in the lot, and then switch, switch seats so that they're able to try it out. A good starting lesson conversation might be, let's try circling around here two or three times at five miles an hour. Your teen- does the circles. You offer praise and then any corrections as needed. Remember to give praise before corrections. That was good. You went easily around the turns and gave it gas just when it needed coming out of the turn. When you stop, try to ease into the stop so that you don't jerk so much. Do you know what I mean? Good. Let's try it again. By making the parameters clear, by treating the young person with dignity, the lesson comes smoothly into their lives and they can interact with the task confidently and easily. None of us is born with the knowledge to function on our own in the world. We all need guidance. We need it to get, whether we get it from our parents, our peers, people at work, or from books. A person can learn how to be in the world in many ways. Trial and error is not the swiftest or safest way to learn life skills. The best way is to learn from the guidance of others. And what better teacher is there for your child than you? When we fail to take on the task of guiding our young people, we set them up for embarrassment, low self-esteem, and failure. Here's an example that happened in our kitchen one evening. Functioning in the Social World I had invited a dear friend of mine and her 14-year-old son to dinner with me and my son, Max. Max was 15 at the time. The young man could not shut up. He talked and talked and talked. When someone else besides him started to talk a bit in the conversation, he quickly interrupted loudly and recommenced monopolizing the conversation. It was a tedious night for us all. Max said later that he hoped he had never had to go through that again. Another day, the mother and I had lunch together, and she said her son was home a lot alone and was thinking of calling Max and getting together with him. Knowing that this was a dead-end street, I told the mother I didn't think this was going to work. Why not, the mother asked me with interest. Because your son is very verbal, and Max seems to be a bit less of a talker, I said, trying to be as diplomatic as possible. You mean he... "'My son drives people away because he is so obnoxious,' the mother said, annoyed with her child. I laughed. "'Well, that's one way of putting it. "'He's hard to be around because he talks a lot "'and it doesn't leave space for other people.' "'I know, I know,' said the mother. "'Why does he do that? "'I can't stand it myself.' "'Well, why don't you do something about it?' "'Like what?' "'Like teach him how to be a comfortable guest. "'Teach him the methods of good conversation. "'But why doesn't he know this already? "'Can't he figure that out by what's doing is not working?' Well, maybe he can see that what he is doing isn't working, yes, but he may not know how to do the other instead. You're his mother. It's your job to teach him what works. The mother was amazed and yet suddenly fully sympathetic to her child, as she should be, because the mother had given him no guidance on how to behave when asked to dinner. The child could only flail around anxiously. By coaching the son with positive guidelines, this mother was able to help her son become a better, more comfortable, more considerate guest. Often guidelines we give kids seem to go in one ear and out the other, but a lot of that yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure attitude they affect is really only affect. Don't harp on it. Let the lessons gestate. Don't comment. Just mention the guidelines and move on. If you are really energetic and you think it will help, make a list of some rules of good conversation that you've learned. Take them to the fridge or bring them up as a topic of conversation at the dinner table. Here are a few rules I learned after years of being a world-class blabbermouth. At the dinner table and at most parties, no story or joke should take up more than a few sentences. When you're finished, let others talk. Next, don't talk about yourself all the time. Ask people about themselves and what they're up to. Next, when going to someone's house, bring something to add to the occasion. Food or drink is good. Flowers are lovely. A movie, book, or magazine you like to lend can be cool, too. Next, invite people back. If you go to their house, you're supposed to invite them to yours. It's easy and it's fun. Functioning in your private world. All parents would like their young people to clean up their room. This is a cherished ideal and a waste of time. Teenagers actually need to have messy rooms. They need a lot of stuff around, preferably strewn on the floor, under their bed, and blocking the doorway going in and out of the room. The reason for this is simple they are building a nest. They are trying to make a cozy, relaxed place to enclose all their anxieties. The bedroom mess gives the young person a place to be, a circle that is snug and protective. It is independent of their parents and yet comforting. Generally, they collect things during this period. They create these collections because they are reassuring. Collections of posters, soda bottles, shoes, types of nail polish are all ways of being in a material world in a way they can manage. They cannot afford Ming vases, so they collect t-shirts instead. With these chaotic rooms, they are also claiming their space as their own. This is a kind of preparation for having a space of their own later when they leave your space. This may not seem to make much sense, but if you have any memory of your own teenage life, you know it is true. It is very possible you also were once a slob or desperately wanted to be one. Now you know that being messy makes it very difficult to find things. Order is efficient. That's why you are orderly. Given the opportunity and the freedom to be disorderly, you might be so. Ask any maid at any hotel. She will tell you that when people have the chance to quit cleaning up after themselves, they take the opportunity with gusto and leave incredibly messy hotel rooms to prove it. However, most parents of teens find teen mess to be very irritating. Too often, parents misinterpret the teenager's chaos. The muddle seems to say to them, I am a failure as a parent. The one simple chore I was supposed to teach my child, I have failed at. I can't even get them to clean their room. Relax. Give it up. 99% of all American teens are slobs, yet the vast majority eventually get decent jobs, find mates that care about them, create households that work, and learn to clean up when company is coming. The only difference between a utopian future and the hellish cave at the end of your hallway is 10 short years. By the time your kid is approaching 30, they will have learned how to organize their lives so their bedroom doesn't emit a smell of dirty laundry every time they open the door. That being said, I return to a guideline stated earlier. Choose your battles carefully. Wearing yourself and nagging your teenager over the shape of the room is a lose-lose battle. There are other struggles on the horizon that are going to make the battle over a disorganized room look like very small potatoes indeed. Let it go. If you are so lucky as to have a housekeeper to help with your cleaning, insist that they ignore your teen's room as well. No use spending extra money on a whirlwind twice a year you can help your teen bring some order out of chaos and retrieve the dried apple cores and the old coffee cups and soda cans from under the bed this does not mean that your teen can be messy everywhere your house is still your house and the other public and private spaces of it belong to you your teen needs to help keep that portion of the house in order even if their room is not to make household cleaning appealing in our house we instituted something called the 15 minute blitz and here it is the 15 minute blitz Teens will help with enthusiasm if the chore is quick, intense, and fun. That's how we develop the 15-minute blitz. It goes like this. Company's coming. EGADS The house is a wreck. Newspapers and books are everywhere. Leftover plates from last night's pie are scattered over the coffee table. Shoes, hats, backpacks are piled in a heap near the front door. There are also hockey sticks on the floor and a can of WD-40 on the windowsill. The Afghans on the couch are in big, lumpy pile. No one should have to face this mess alone. Call the family together, get a couple of shopping bags, and declare the 15-minute blitz. Fifteen fast, furious, crazy minutes that make your living room, kitchen, and bathroom look like Martha Stewart lived there. No fighting, no biting, please. Everyone do their part. Throw stuff into shopping bags and cart them to where they belong for a later shorting, sorting. Fold afghans and lay them seductively along the back of the couch. Stack macad- magazines and a fetching fan on the coffee table. Wipe the crumbs off. Put a colorful placemat over the, uh, that ugly scratch. Move it. We still have the kitchen to do do dishes and tag teams wash dry put away quick you only have six more minutes before grandma's here put at least one clean towel out in the bathroom give the toilet bowl a swoosh with a cleaner pull the shower curtain into place wipe the sink and fixtures down with a wad of toilet paper and then throw it away shut the doors of all the rooms you don't want guests to go into turn the kettle on put the casserole in the oven now the place is bright neat gleaming it's only taken 15 minutes and even your mother-in-law will be impressed